Well, my name is Nate. My, Hi, I'm Sharon. My wife, Sharon. Um, Hi. Sharon. Hi. Um, we are, right now, we live in Hilliard, Ohio, which is on the west side of Columbus. It's just right over here. Um, we own a coffee shop called Coffee Connection. So the coffee that you're drinking here at Synergy is provided by us. And so we really love doing it. Um, it's an adventure the Lord told us to do, quit kids ministry and open up a coffee shop. And we said, no, okay. And so we did that. And so we're just being obedient. And through that, God has opened up a lot of doors and opportunities within our small little community in Hilliard, which is actually growing um, crazy-like. So, um, But I just want to say thank you guys for being here today. Thank you for coming to Synergy and spending time to invest into your, into your growth. And um, before we begin, I do want to pray, and then we'll dive right into it, and we'll get through it. And then I'm hoping we have enough time to do something nice and restful at the end. That is our goal. So hopefully we can plow right through this. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity for us to come together and learn and um, most importantly to connect. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak through my wife and I and that our words would be your words and that um, we would all feel energized and refocused when we go home. Father, we need you. This is about you and your kingdom, not about us and what we can and cannot do. So Father, we just trust you for it in your name. Amen. All right, so cool. So when Stacey Petty asked us to speak again this year, I was very excited about it because I was like, oh, yay, she lets me do it again. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, and the topic that she wanted us to talk about when I asked her was, uh, was winning in ministry without losing your mind. Um, this is an employee of mine, Kyler, who took this picture. Um, his girlfriend, Sarah, is taking a picture. I thought it was a great idea of, like, we have so many things going on in our life, and they feel like they're all full blast, right? And you just wish you can just, right, dial it down a little bit, every single one, but you can't. Because there's multiple different gauges on there, and you only have two hands. And so how do we actually live this life the way the Lord would want us to live without actually losing our mind? And so we're going to walk, that's kind of the perspective we're going to walk through. And we've got five bottles up here, and we're, because kids ministry, we need an object lesson and and that sort of thing. And we're going to be spelling out a word as we go through it. And so... As we spell out the word, um, we'll, we'll talk about these different ones. And the first one is goal. So I'm going to move this out of the way. The first one is goal. So when you think about your life and you think about everything that you're doing and everything is going crazy within your life, um, usually the immediate step that you take is perspective. What's going on? Why, why is all this stuff happening so quick, so fast, all the time? And we have to remind ourselves, what is our primary goal in life? Out of everything that you're doing, what is the number one goal of your life? Depending on who you talk to, everyone's going to have different ones. But I'm assuming most of us are followers of Jesus in this room. So what is our primary goal in life? Wait, wait, come on. With boldness, people. Love people. What else? Love Jesus. What? Share the gospel. What else? What's our primary goal? Okay. Make it to survive. Yeah. Say what? Making disciples. That is your number one primary goal is to make disciples. That is it. Stacy, high five. Good job. Yay. Got it. <laughs> that is your goal. Everything else helps make disciples. But that's our primary goal. That's the primary focus of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and we all teach this to our kids, right? Our curriculum has it. Um, it our lead pastors talk about it. We have admission statements all over around, the, all around our churches talking about making disciples, about lifelong learners of Jesus. And that's what that word means, disciple, is a lifelong learner of Jesus, someone who's following and learning. So it's not like a, hey, 
Christian, high five. You're, you did it. No, no, no. It's a learning pro- It's over and over. It's a repetitive type of thing. And then we do that by loving God and loving other people, right? That's what Jesus told us to do, right? Sums up the law and the prophets. Loving God, loving our neighbor. Sounds easy, right? We teach this to our kids all the time, right? This is what we champion every week, right? So we teach our kids, right? Is that true, right? Simple. Why is it so hard to actually live out? If our number one goal is to make disciples, and how we do that is loving God and loving other people, why is it such a complicated thing for us as Christians to actually live out? And that's where craziness takes place. Because we're no longer focused on our primary goal. We're focused on a lot of other things. And Sharon will talk about that here in a second. But I wanted to read you a, a quote from someone named Mike Breen. Um, great guy. He's got a lot of great different books out there that are going on. And he talks about his theory of why the church as we know it is struggling with this idea of our primary mission. Why we are so off on, on our focus. And we're having this and this and this and this. Because if you look around it and we look at our different churches and we look at our community and our context, are people flocking to our churches left and right? No, we're actually kind of seeing the opposite, right? They're leaving the church. And he brings up the case that we have a dichotomy within our church. We have American Christianity versus true Jesus following, true biblical discipleship. And this is what he says. Many churches, as they seek to create a comfortable environment in the form of worship services or small groups, have lost their ability to challenge people in meaningful ways. Think about that word, challenge. All right, that's going to be a repeated thing throughout the rest of our time here. Challenge may be given from the pulpit on stage on Sunday mornings, but challenge is always given best in the context of personal relationship. Challenge, personal relationship, right? We have the ability to hear a difficult sermon and decide to do anything about it. Just because someone preached it or taught on forgiveness doesn't mean anyone is holding us accountable to forgive people in the next week. If I don't want to do it, no one will know and will say anything. The space is comfortable, inviting, and by large, anonymous. We can take what is said or leave it. Small groups are missing one of the main ingredients of the discipleship culture, which is challenge. Mike's whole look at American Christianity is this one thing. We are missing challenge. Because discipleship, when done correctly, is done in a relationship. Because you're walking side by side with someone, someone's off. Hey, you're doing this wrong. You're not following Jesus on this. You, you, missed, you missed the goal a little bit. Let's bring you back to what the Lord wants you to do and get right back on it. No one's doing that in our churches because we're afraid to offend people, because they're afraid they're going to walk out. And that's where he's saying that type of American Christianity is technically lukewarm Christianity. It's a comfortable Christianity. That's why it's not working. And so when we look at our lives and we look how busy we are and how crazy it is, we're just kind of nuts and we see this challenge. We're like, why don't we have all these volunteers? Why isn't this happening? Why aren't these people coming to church? You're just looking through it. You're just like, why isn't? Basically because we missed our primary focus, which was discipleship, which was relationship. We missed that. Instead of setting up, we want to set a grand thing. And in setting up the grand thing, we missed the most important heart of what we are called to do which is to love God and love other people through discipleship. Basic, right? Simple, very, very difficult to actually walk through. And so we have a lot of different things that go through this. And Sharon's going to talk about the next two. We just have to awkwardly change the mic for the recording purposes. So the session, yeah, I just poured in here and then you shake it up. The session specifically said how not to lose your mind. So what Nate neglected to introduce is that we have four very small daughters. They're, they will be by June 8, 6, 4, and 2. And um, when we left Pennsylvania as children's pastors, I I was a stay-at-home mom. He was full-time on staff. It was kind of like living the dream. Jesus is like, hey, we want you to open this missional coffee shop. 
uh, when neither of you drink coffee nor like it and go learn about it and um, do this so that you can meet people and tell them about me. And we're like, okay, because it's challenge, right? And we struggled with this decision for probably six months because when we had a six month old at the time, when you have a baby, you don't say goodbye to a paycheck. Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we, we literally said, I don't want to look at our children someday and said, we didn't have enough faith to follow Jesus and the challenge. And so we did it and it's been hard because challenge is supposed to be hard. And in America, we've come up with this, oh, I want to buy a lottery ticket, be a millionaire and I don't have to work. I don't have to work hard. The old mentality that used to be the American dream to, you know, really pull up your sleeves and get your hands dirty doesn't exist in our culture anymore. At least the general mentality has shifted away. So this grace, these goals, how can we do the, the next letter is R and it's by having a realistic mindset. It's gonna be hard. I, I don't, someone was like, oh, so you figured out how to not lose your mind. No, we just still have part of it and we're stepping day by day and we're not, we're not entirely crazy yet. You want to take the top off and really shake it. But see, we, we have to take this water, this clear part of our life and we have to give it to Jesus. <laughs> and, when, and when we give it to him, he shakes it all up. He challenges us and he says, here, I'm, I'm gonna change it into something more amazing. And it, it's this discipleship of keeping Jesus at the center. How do you not lose your mind, guys? Keep Jesus as the focus. You have to filter all of your decisions through Jesus. You're going to say no to great opportunities. And that's okay because we're not everybody. It's supposed to be a group effort. But Jesus has to be first. And the reason life gets so out of control and we're spinning all these gauges and we feel like we don't have control over anything is because we deprioritize Jesus. Any one of those things in this picture can be good. I mean, the church... It's great. Programs are awesome, but they're not Jesus. And if he's telling you not to do it or to put your time there, then it's okay. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean that people in the church might throw an uproar because you changed the hour of service by the time the service started by an hour. That's okay. But because if you're faithful to what Jesus is calling you to do, he will supply it. It's not easy. There are days in this journey. There have been times when we're like, paychecks have gotten stuck in places and we've literally not been able to go buy groceries and you're like okay Jesus we're just gonna wait for a day and he always provides the lady the lady behind me in the Walmart checkout was like oh you're super pregnant with your third child here's 20 bucks go to Chick-fil-a you don't need to cook I didn't have any food for dinner that night she didn't know that I was buying toilet paper because I didn't really want to use non-toilet paper things for that product and so I decided we were just gonna you know and but but even in America that's still a huge surplus to what the world sees but he's faithful and then you know sure enough the next day all the paper paychecks went through and we're great but you have to focus it through Jesus and be ready to get your hands dirty it's okay which then takes us to our next letter. Or here, if, if Jesus is at the center of influencing all your decisions, or is he just an aspect of your life? Is he just this box or is he the center? That's, that's what that was kind of saying. So it brings us to the A. So we have G-R-A. Are we confused? <laughs> yes, a lot of days I'm confused too. Especially when I get woken up in the middle of the night, I can't always remember what day it is when which child is waking me up. But are we confused? We get mixed with doing instead of being. It's more important your relationship with Jesus than what you're doing for him. And it's in that relationship that you focus in and you share that with others. It's sharing the stories. When you, sh when you take time to share the stories with others, that's, that's when the miracles happen. That's when Jesus is glorified because he is the most important part of your life, not what you're doing for him. We get so confused because we forget instead of 
of what's going on and everything, we forget the how. The how is simply spending time with him, putting him first. That's how, it's, it's, really, it's really simple, but it's so hard because we want a 12-step process. We want to get through it and bingo, we're, we've arrived. But it's different for each person in each context. And it's accepting the challenges. I'm so sorry, it's not fun to hear, but it's true. You have to be willing to accept the challenges Jesus puts in you. It's, it's a parable we use all the time. To, much, to whom little is given, little is required. To whom much is given, much is required. If you accept the challenge, he's only going to give you another bigger one. Just fair warning. It's, it's, the, way, it's the way it works. <laughs> Just fair warning. But it, it's about control, which <clears throat> I'm a little bit of a control freak for those of you who know me. Just, just a wee bit. But I don't, I don't have control. Who has to have control? <laughs> not Jesus. Or not Nate. Jesus. Jesus has to have the control. <laughs> I am nothing at all. So we spelled the word G-R-A-C. C's coming next. C's coming next. So yeah, challenges. How many love challenges? How many love physical challenges? Nope. Physical challenges. Come physical endurance, you know, that's right. Yeah, okay. How many love mental challenges? You know, like Sudoku puzzles or chess or something like that, right? Okay. How many love, like, internal mental challenges? Like when it comes to reading a book or studying or something like that, you're like, yeah, I can totally do that. What other challenges do you guys like to do? None. <laughs> love it. Yep, yeah. Challenges are hard, right? Challenges are hard because what they do, one thing to us, they, they completely disrupt our entire life. That's what challenges are hard to your, your focus on one thing, just, I'm just thinking if you're on a race, right, and you're trying to run, oh, I see, this, I see the finish line, you're like, oh, that's easy, I can get there. But then as you're running, you're realizing, oh, man, it's really hot. That's a challenge. You want to give up. Or, oh, man, my feet are killing me. That's a challenge. You want to give up. You're thirsty. <gasps> Die. You know, right? That's a challenge, right? These different things are challenges that throw our focus off our end goal. And again, our end goal is to make disciples. That's what we are called to do by Jesus, by our Lord. When you say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus. I follow it. That is your number one goal, is to make disciples. But we have all these challenges that come into our life because it does one thing. We have to give up control. How many love giving up control? Yep, that's what I thought. Except Troy. Perfect. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, no, we don't like giving up control. It is the one thing we hate doing. Um, it doesn't matter where you are in your personality. If you're a typical, atypical personality, right? You're just, right? Or if you're free spirit, yeah, whatever, we'll just go over here, right? Okay, okay. Both of them have an element of control to them. They're not one is more, one's less. They both have control in their own right. But when we come to Jesus, that's one thing he wants us to give up is control. Because he knows we give up control, we allow him to grow us and allow those challenges to come into our life. And that control is what really makes it hard for us to actually move forward in life. And as we're trying to give up control, we, get, we, we freak out because we're not sure what's going on. And a, another way Mike Bring talks about understanding your rhythm of life, understanding how God is actually moving you along in your life. Right, we get this. A sea, seeding, growing. You know that we get the, we get the whole agriculture context, and he puts it in a shape of a semicircle, and he quotes those scriptures, and he's like, "Your life is kind of like this. You start here, and then you swing here, and then you swing back. Right? It's not right. You're swinging back and forth. So if you're looking at your life, if you just think about your context, your situation right now. All right, your situation right now. Look at this graph behind me." And I want you to start thinking about where God has you. Does he have you 
on a growing phase. Well, right now you're growing. Now, now I'm not talking about just your ministry. I'm talking about who you are as a person, your family, your closest friends. How, who has the Lord brought you in and what you're doing? How does that work? Is this your actual work? That may not be church work. It could be something else. Are you guys in the working phase? I'm just working and you're starting to see some growth and stuff like that. Or maybe you're looking at your life and you're like, man, things are just horrible. Nothing's going right. I don't get it. I can't seem to get my head, they're not listening to me, or I, I don't have enough money coming in, or I can't do whatever. Well, maybe the Lord is trying to prune you. Maybe the Lord is trying to prune something, and pruning hurts. It's not, it's not easy. I'm sure if a tree could speak, and we take an ax, and we cut off one of the branches, the tree's going to, thank you! It's not going to happen. It's probably going to scream out, and say, no, right? Pruning hurts. And maybe, maybe within that pruning, maybe, maybe God wants you to rest. Maybe he just wants you to be. You don't have to work. This is not, maybe, maybe things aren't going. You're not seeing the growth and, and, the, and the, you're not seeing all that stuff come to, to bear right now. Kind of like trees in winter. They grow in winter. You just don't see it. They're resting from growing their branches and, and, all, and, and their leaves and all that stuff. They're slowly growing, but they're resting. So that way when the, when the season is right, boom, they come out of nowhere and you're like, that's beautiful. I hate spring because I have seasonal allergies. So I see, I see all that stuff. I'm like, I hate you all, right? Okay, that's, that's mine. So knowing where you are in your rhythm can help you feel better about what God is calling you to do, to keep your primary focus on making disciples. And it's okay as long as you know where God has you at. And knowing that just because it's there doesn't mean it's going to stop there. It's going to swing back. And God will continue to do that back and forth to make you who he wants you to be. And that's encouraging because that means the Lord is working on your heart to grow you closer to be a disciple from him. And as people are watching you do that, that's going to be attractive and they're going to want to see that because they're going to see growth in you. They're going to hear stories about how God is growing you and changing you and stretching you as you communicate that. And that's healthy and that's good. And those are good things to be able to do. I read a book called The Finder's Mentality, and this book is a fantastic book if you want to read a, about a, a group of uh, uh, research people that came together and looked at all the different businesses we have across the world in right now. And they talk about um, businesses that rise up really, really quick and that dive off and ask the question, why did they dive off? Or, and they look at businesses that went really, really well, and then all of a sudden they start going downhill all of a sudden, but something happens and they're right back on the top of the market. Companies like Dell, like Apple, like Starbucks, like Amazon. We hear all of these companies, and you have to sit back and look, and you have to be like, what? <laughs> Why? That thing is not stable. Why? Why are they doing it? And here's their theory, is that when you're found, when, whoever your founder is of your company, your business, whatever it might be, they have a mindset of this is where I want to go, and this is what, how I want it to accomplish. And they lay out their entire system to make that absolutely happen. And because of that insurgence inside of them, it grows like wildfire. We cannot, I mean, someone had an idea to create a handheld phone that works on a screen that can use some internet stuff and I can pull things off out of thin air. Everyone has it. That was not a thought that someone had hundreds and hundreds of years ago that someone had a thought now and was like, let's make it happen. Gather the right people, gather the right resources, and boom, made it happen, right? All because they had this one goal of what, what they had to go. When the companies go down, like Dell is a classic example of this, and even Starbucks too, 
companies go so well, and then the founder le- the founder leaves and takes a step back and puts his other people into place and kind of, almost kind of removes himself from the process. Those new people come into play and go, I'm like, I want this, and I want to do this, and I want to add this, and I want to add this, because they all think it's a great idea, and it, and it was, but the, the reality is the company starts plateauing and starts diving down and starts freaking out, and they're losing market share, and then the original CEO, come, the board goes to the CEO, go, I'm like, we're in trouble. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I gave you everything you possibly could need. Why are you tanking? Why are you failing, falling? Why are you not meeting your mission that I gave you? I gave you everything you possibly need, right? And so the board's like, unanimously, we want to hire you back on. And so what does the guy do? The guy comes back in and fires you, 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 and cuts a million-dollar program over here, cuts a trillion-dollar program here, and completely consolidates the focus back to the original fu- why he created the business. And once that happens, happened to Starbucks when the CEO and Howard came back into play. Starbucks was tanking, wasn't doing real well. Now, I roast my own coffee, so I still don't think Starbucks is doing well, so that's just my point of view and take. But it started tanking. He came back in, fired a bunch of people. They closed off for almost a whole day, retrained their entire barista team, all their managers. When I worked at Starbucks, my manager was one of those people. Flew them all over. I believe it was Texas. Took them all to Texas to a massive convention center, and Howard talked on hours talking about, here's our mission, here's our goal, here's our values, this is what the company needs to be. And from that point forward, Starbucks grew back again. Same thing for Dell. Dell was the biggest thing. I remember Dell Computers being a discount for us when we went to Valley Forge. It was absolutely crazy. There was only four Apple computers in our college library. That was it. Everything was Dell. Dell, 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 Dell. And then all of a sudden, there was a switch. Dell started to tank, Apple started to take over, all because Mr. Dell himself took a step back from the, from the viewpoint of leading, gave it to somebody else, started to tank, came back in, fired a bunch of people and said, you missed the mentality of what I want you to do, came back in, and then Dell started soaring back again, and now it's starting to come back into focus. So why do I tell you that story? Do you see any similarities? Do you see any similarities to our church? We are losing our mindset of our founder, Jesus Christ, who told us to make disciples. He didn't tell you to do this. He didn't tell you to do this. He didn't tell you to do this. If we go back to that graphic that Sharon talked about, Christ isn't the center. And if he was, why are you freaking out? Why are you stressed? Why are you nervous about life? Why are you stressed about, I don't have this, I don't have this. Why do we freak out about our life? Oh, God, why? We just won the bid for the new Hilliard Library, by the way, so praise the Lord with that, with two other people that don't know Jesus' company, so yay, great opportunity. God, why? Another blessing, another thing, and we're freaking out. I'm like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? This is great. I mean, just think of all the possibilities. Think of all the things, and we get overwhelmed very, very quickly over this. That's because we move Jesus as an aspect, and we take our key thing, and we put it here. And that determines our life. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I need to be the center. And from that, you can make your decisions. And through that, the church will grow. Because that's how the early church did it. Their focus was on Jesus and his mission, making disciples through relationship, through challenge. The early church grew because of persecution. Just let that sink in for a second. Why? Because there was a challenge. I either believed in this guy and I paid for my life, or I didn't believe, and I continued to live my life. That's a hard pill to swallow. That challenge 
catapulted the church in a completely different way than any other thought or belief took place from that point. All because of that one thought, because of that challenge. And that challenge is someone from me coming to you and saying, Kelly, let me tell you what's wrong with your life. Blah, 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 right? No, that's, you're not going to take, you're going offended, whatever. But if you had a close friend to you that lived life with you, that loved you, that knew your ins and out, is that you? Okay, perfect. She knows your ins and out. She knows everything about you. And she can approach you and say, Kelly, you know, I think this might be a little bit off on you. Let's go to Jesus. I don't think you're following Jesus on that. Oh, has that happened before? Wow. Um, so just amazing, no right? No, no. Oh, opposite. Fantastic. Go back and forth with that, right? You might receive it in a better light because you know she's for you. Because you know she's in your corner. She's not someone who you don't know. And you're like, oh, boy, you're, you're accusing me. Because we, we want to stand back because we don't like that challenge. But when we have someone next to us that wants us to grow and loves us, we receive that challenge in a completely different light. And that's what Jesus wants us to do with people. So that's what Jesus wants to do people. So our last one is, is obviously of no consequence. You guys understand this last one. And Sharon will talk about. So how can we all do this? How can we win our ministry without losing our mind? Grace. People, we have the grace of Jesus Christ on our side. That is the only way we're not losing our minds is that grace to allow Jesus to be the center and think about, thank you, Jesus, for that grace you gave to us. And that center is important. Sharon's going to talk a little bit about that grace, and we're going to wrap it up here in a second. Good. We have extra time. Perfect. We can do what we want to do. You have to have the goal with the realistic mindset. not getting confused for the are we confused accepting the challenges and embracing jesus's mentality right our founder's mentality when we have all of those aspects we have grace but we're gonna mess up there's gonna be days there are days when we do we we do this we 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 knock jesus off to the side he's just because he becomes the aspect and we get really focused on this one thing and then one of us knocks each other in the head and says, whoa, 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 Jesus again. You know, you, but it can't, you can't do it if you're doing this alone. You can't do it if you're living life in isolation. We weren't called to that. We were called to community. And grace is both, most best represented in community. Ironically, when we choose to live life in community, whether that be with a spouse or a team member or um, the people at your church or whoever it is that God's given you, that's where we really see the magic happen. Um, Because you get to catch the other's eye. You get to keep each other accountable. You get to share the stories. And then other people are like that. What's up with life over there? Um, When, uh, uh, if you've been to Synergy for any time, you've known we've served the coffee. This is like our fourth year. So a couple years ago when we were at the other campus or whatever in Delaware, we had that big old coffee cart, which was cool. And God kind of miraculously provided that because these are the things he does. And that summer, I was uh, super pregnant, by the way, with our fourth child. And that summer, we'd gotten the bid. Hilliard um, created a new splash pad. How many of you know what those are? Like just water spouts to the ground free for the community. It was opening, and we'd gotten the bid to serve coffee there, like as a vendor. So we were really excited. Well, there's this coffee shop across the street, and, and its name was Solar Cafe. Not very good, actually, but that's okay, side note. But Nate, being the fact that we wanted to come and bring peace and unity to the community, uh, Nate's like, I'm going to go talk to this guy. So he goes and he just says, hey, what can you know, what do we do? And we'd heard his reputation and we thought for sure it would kind of be one of those like irritating five minute conversations where he's angry at you and then that's the end. But it turned into like a, an hour and a half conversation where he offered to sell us the business. 
And he said, yeah, I'll sell it to you for 30 grand, which is great because that's totally not what we had. Um, and so, and I, I'm not even joking when I say I'm seven and a half months pregnant with baby number four. And so Nate's like, well, let's just pray about it. We, we were living life doing bi- a Bible study with a group of guys, or he was specifically. And so he told it to his guys. He said, guys, just, just pray with me. He's like, clearly this is not what God wants. We don't have 30 grand. We're about to have baby number four. So, but we're just going to pray about it. A couple days later, one of those guys calls us back, one that we didn't know had this kind of money, by the way, and was like, yeah, so Jesus has put this on our heart, and my wife and I want to give you the money to do that. Okay. $30,000. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> and so in April, or actually it was, uh, it was actually in May then that we said yes, uh, our child was born June 11th, and we opened the coffee shop September 13th. So... That's what Jesus does. And it, it um, has been another site to open the community. Our, our byline on the, the, the business side is all um, fresh roasted coffee, all about the people. And if you ask anybody in Hilliard about Coffee Connections, they know us because all the schools know us. And we've hosted uh, baby showers for several Muslim families. And we do a mom's coffee break every Wednesday where all kinds of stay-at-home moms come. And we do a, a Bible story puppet show because that's our kids ministry people that's what we do and slowly but surely this like this one mom who they're transplants from north or um, new mexico they have no family here and it's taken a whole year but they've started coming to our missional community now on our like outreach events because of relationship because we share the story and when we do these crazy things and it's not every day that god does really crazy things like 30 grand and you open a coffee shop which i'm thankful for because i would not be able to handle those kind of crazy spins but when people watch you they saw us through the hard things you know, all of the families we've gotten to know at the school, getting connected to the community, going to the parks and playing and, and making relationships with people, they've seen the hard days. They saw that we started a coffee cart and that we, you know, didn't, we had like six jobs to make ends meet because that's reality. And um, then they saw out of nowhere that we had this shop. Like it, it literally came out of nowhere. And when they asked why, we li- our answer is God. It was a God thing. And we tell the story just like I shared it with you, because when Jesus is our center, it's not awkward to talk about him. It's not a bait and switch. You're not inviting somebody over for dinner. And then you're like, now here, open your Bibles. And they're like, well, what happened? Because he's a natural part of our lives. And it's the grace because we're not good at it. We're going to mess up, but we're going to remind each other in the community to keep him at the center what has he called us to? What is that goal? If it doesn't fit in that parameter, then strip it aside. Um, our theme for the year, before I hand it back to Nate, um, it's not a fun theme. It's James chapter 1, and it's in verses 2 through 4, and it's like, so brothers and sisters, when trials and persecution come your way, you know, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> yeah, because you know, when your faith is tested and it gets endurance, it could grow. So it says, number, verse 4 says, so let it grow. It makes me think of Elsa. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so let it grow. <laughs> because when you let it grow, it has the chance to come to perfection needing nothing. It's not that we will actually have everything we ever want. No, no, no. Jesus changes all that. We get that. Philippians 4 teaches us that. No, it's letting it grow. It's painful, but it's, it's going to have its good days. It's going to have its bad days. It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. If you, if you start thinking, oh, it'll be so much better when I just get this done. It's not. This will be a new thing. I'll have a new face. I'll have a new picture. It's about the journey. 
It's about inviting people to share in that journey. That's the difference. And when you change your mindset, that's how you don't lose your mind. (laughs) There are days we've got it, and then there are a lot we don't. It's okay. We're getting there. But it's about the journey, letting it grow. All right, so if we think about challenges, and you think about challenges in your own life, right, they're rough, and we'd rather just walk away from them. But Jesus tells us to embrace those challenges because those challenges will actually be the pruning of the bad stuff to grow, to help it grow, the good things that the Lord wants us to do. So we actually have the time we want, so high five to both of us. Good. All right, cool. This is what we want you guys to do. Um, if you're with your group from your church or whatever, I want you to get very close to them because you guys are going to pray for each other. Um, so right now, get into your groups. If you came by yourself, I want you to find someone else who came by themselves because you guys are going to be praying for each other. So this means you may have to get up and move. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Grow. Okay? Let's go. Come on. You might have to turn your chairs around. That's okay. Find someone you don't know. Yeah, come on. Once you get in your groups, then once you get in your groups, be nice and quiet. I'll walk you through what you're going to do next. Once you've gotten in groups, teacher boy. Once you got in groups, Nate's going to give you some directions. So just give him a chance, people. Go ahead, move around. Move around. Cool. Get so you're in earshot, everyone. Yeah, don't fall and hurt yourself. Here you go. Yep, you're welcome. So you would remember each letter, you know. It's classic kid ministry. So if you're talking a point, put something in a kid's hand and they'll pay better attention. That's all. Okay. All right, so we're all... Oh, here you go. Got one, got one. All right, cool. I was waiting for the magic. I thought they were going to all change to one. I know. Oh, yeah, no, that's not... That's not cool enough. All right, you all in your... Are you all in groups? You're with, with other people. You may know, you may not know. That's okay. It's actually easier to share your burdens with people you don't know, actually. Um, All right. Challenges, right? In your life, they're meant to help you grow. We would rather run away from them. I would rather run away from every single problem that I have right now in my life with the shop. But that's not what God wants us to do. So this is a growing time. This helps us. Um, And in kids' ministry, sometimes we feel alone. We're by ourselves. We don't have the support, family, finances, maybe lead pastor support, whatever the deal is. Sometimes we feel isolated. And that can sometimes play into your actual personal life as well and your mentality and your thinking. So what you're going to do in this moment for next about 10-ish minutes or so, you're going to just share your burdens with the, pers- with the people in your group. does not need to be a whole sermon. Okay? Don't need objections, five points of why. I want you to pick the number one thing that is the hardest right now that you would rather give up instead of walk through. Whatever that might be. It could be ministry. It could be life. It could be your work. It could be your family. Whatever it might be. It could be personal. It could be mental. Whatever it might be, this is a safe space. You share this. This is the hardest thing in your life in this moment because you know that if you can just get past that, God can do something. And we need to do it in community. So just share. Don't pray for each other yet. Just share. You got 10 minutes. Go.
Uh, I was going to play. Yeah, I was. Hang on. Does this thing have a...
just moved money in the center. The money is what's making your decision. You're basing your why you can't do anything based off of that. Let's move that out. Put Jesus in the center. Now tell me, how do you do that? Okay? Talk about, maybe your family is overwhelming. I got four girls. I don't like 
I am praying to the Lord Jesus that this cycle is all in the same week. So I can leave the house for one whole week, get some testosterone and come back. We'll see. Where do you go? Because I want to meet you there. Sounds great. I love you, sir. Yeah, we'll go do. I'm going to create a dude camp and have lots of fun. Maybe your family is determined to do that. Maybe, maybe you just don't have peace. Maybe your house is just all over the place, or maybe you don't have peace with your coworkers or your boss, or maybe there's just not peace in your church, whatever it might be. And that peace is making your decisions. You know you need to make this decision, but you're afraid to disrupt the peace. Peace needs to move back into its place. Jesus needs to be the center. I know this is hard. Since Sharon and I have been on this journey, we've had to say goodbye to a lot of good things. A lot of great friends, a lot of great mentors, a lot of great pastors, even our family members, have isolated because we decided to step away from the church and do something completely different that they're like, what are you doing? If I said, I'm a missionary in a different country, oh, I get that. But when I say I'm doing it here in the U.S., they're like, why? That's not how we do things here. I get isolated. It is hard. And it keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And I believe Jesus is pruning and pruning and pruning. And it hurts. It sucks. It's not good. But I know he's pruning the bad out of my life so he can grow something good. Right? Okay? Sharon and I daily have to remind ourselves. Christ has to be the center of every decision we make. And when we get an argument and a fight, like we get at least once a day, we have to pull ourselves together and we're really bad at remembering sometimes. We have to remember Christ has to be the center. The only way we get through it is we surround ourselves with people that love Jesus, that are in our corner, that we can go to them and share our burdens with them. This is important. We don't do this enough. We do this in counseling sessions. But Jesus is in the center. So, you're with these people, right? You're with everybody. Um, are you with someone you don't know? Perfect. What you do right now, exchange numbers and names. This becomes, as someone that I know, Julie and she, Julie probably does this, your tribe. This becomes your group, your discipleship group. This is your group that you get together, and instead of trying to help each other grow with the topic, you're going to be sharing your concerns with. And you're going to be praying for each other. And you're going to set a time and a date. Oh, but we're miles and miles away from each other. Wow, what if someone invented this thing that you can talk to somebody else on the phone and you can look at them in the face? Or you can pick it up and you can dot, you can hit a bunch of numbers and they're right there. Man, I wish someone invented that technology. Your excuses? You got none. This was good for you in this moment. Just imagine if this was a repeatable thing over and over and over. Just imagine how much you grow because you don't feel like you're not, you're not alone anymore. You've got somebody in your corner. That's important. That's key. So go do that now if you don't have it. If you're already part of each other's you know, group, church, then you're absolutely fine. You're absolutely good. I'll give you a second just to do that. And then we'll kind of <laughs> And remember the point of these groups... The part of this discipleship isn't for someone to take over and just dump out every single thing they're doing. It's identifying the one thing that is not the center of your life. 
So Jesus is in the center, but maybe you just don't have the faith because Jesus wants you to take a step and you're afraid to take that step. So that lack of faith moves in the center and Jesus is in the center. That's the point of this. The point is for you to identify where that's lacking and these people are keeping you accountable and saying, I'm like, I recognize that, so what do you think about this? Okay? This is for a support. This is for prayer. This is identifying why Jesus is at the center and then move it out. So, to wrap this whole thing up, as you're as you're living this life out, and as you're trying to win not just in ministry but in your life, give yourself a lot of grace. It's okay. You're not going to stand face to face with Jesus. Jesus is going to look at your busy, crazy life and say, "Wow, you didn't do too much." Jesus is going to say, well done. Why? Because you kept him at the center and you identified the problems that were not that were in the center that shouldn't have been him. And you're working at weeding that away to keep him in the center of your life. Because what? You are a Christian. You are a Christ follower. You're not a, I'm part of this church follower. I'm not a pastor of this one. I'm not part of this organization. No, you're a Christ follower. That trumps everything. And when you do that, the creator of the world is going to give you a challenge constantly, over and over and over, to help you get better. So your faith grows. So you, you can start producing more fruit, and people around you can start seeing. Their life is different because they just walked through a challenge and didn't freak out. Well, they freaked out a little bit, but they had that hope in Jesus, right? I freak out daily. I mean, just, just honest with you, okay? Daily. All right, daily. But the one thing that I have over other people that I'm talking to is I've got this hope, but they have no hope. They're like, well, I'll just do this, or I'll take drugs, or I'll go over here, I'll go over here. I'm like, I know this is crazy, but I got this hope. I just have this peace that the Lord is going to walk me through. Set it, move on, that's it. Don't need to do anything else. Let it just drop and walk away. Be natural part of my life. But it took me a while to be able to communicate that sort of thing. So you don't, don't feel like it has to be fake. It to be the natural part of your life because it has to be the center of your life. Okay? It has to be the center of your life. All right, let's pray real quick, and then you guys, if you have any questions or anything like that, you guys can ask me. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for each person here. All right, everybody, keep your eyes closed. But I want you to do so I want you to take your hand and put it on the shoulder of the person here. Don't worry, you're not holding hands, so we're okay. Jesus, I pray for every individual in this room. Holy Spirit, rain down on them in this moment. Holy Spirit, come in this place. Come upon these people. Come in their life and in their neighborhoods. That's right, pray it out. Go ahead, pray it out. Jesus, I pray for freedom, and I pray for peace. God, I pray that you become the center of their, of their life. Jesus, that all these things that are on the outside, Holy Spirit, that you would just move those aside and put you first. Because, Lord, we know that the problems are not just going to disappear. We're not, we know you're not a magic pill that's just going to take it away. Jesus, you, you know that we have to go through challenges and 
that's why you say you're never going to leave us, you're never going to forsake us. We have that hope that's grounded in something more than ourselves. So God, I pray as they just confessed their burdens, they just shared their hard times, Holy Spirit, that you would just come in and show them in their life who you are. Who you are and what you call them to do and, and where they're off in their in their life that you're not the center. This is and this is and this is and this becomes their main reason why they make their decisions. So Holy Spirit, move in. Jesus Christ, move in and be that center of their life again. Holy Spirit, I pray now by the by your power that these burdens would just lift in, in the name of Jesus. So they would be free. That they would feel that breath of fresh air like they did that one time when they accepted you into their life. When they went to camp as a kid or they went to that meeting. Holy Spirit, that they would feel freedom. They would feel that refreshed, new sense of life in their hearts. That you give them that. Because God, it's about you. And it's about you being the center of their life. So Jesus, move into the center of their problems. May they feel the freedom in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for letting me do that. So is there any questions, anything you want to bring up, anything that you want to share within this? And because we can we can go. They they told me. Leave enough room for questions. So I encourage you, please get together often and, and start start living out discipleship amongst each other. Start living out Christ-like discipleship amongst each other. You're like, well, I'm not sure how to do that. Well, read the Gospels. What did Jesus do? Jesus reminded, and this is something that has been slowly coming to me over the past year. Jesus dealt with people that followed God and that didn't follow God in two different camps. People that follow God, <laughs> he was really hard on them. Really, really hard on them. Questioned them, brought them back to who God was, took away all the junk that they added onto the law, and said, no, this is what Jesus, this is what God said. You heard it say, but I said he was very hard to his own people. But the people that weren't following God, what did he do? He loved them. He gave them grace. He pointed them to where the well was. He pointed to refreshing, right? That's what he did. So we're not talking about people that don't know Jesus here. We're talking about each of you that who know Jesus. So that's where this challenge can be a little hard. But when you do it in a relationship that people care about, Jesus, it's hard to live out, yes. But it's not that hard because you care about So, any, anything? Thank you. You're welcome. Anything? You guys, no. any questions? Anything like that? Not a question. Not really about this, but I just want to say I really appreciate uh, your willingness to, to uh, serve serve God in, uh, in sort of a non-standard way because, you know, so many people, we, we want templates, we want, we want patterns, and pack matter, pack matter, pattern isn't Bob the evangelist to China, our pattern is Jesus, yeah. Yeah. so we, it's hard to remember that sometimes. It is, it is. And that's the challenge. Jesus has to be the center. That's why this graphic is so key. Take a picture with your phone, write it down. Um, it's called, you can search on the internet, it's called Paper Theology. Someone wrote it on a nap or napkin theology. Someone wrote it on a napkin. It's center, right? It's why we do, we do. Thank you guys. God bless. Enjoy the rest of Synergy. Uh,